is and what he's done, then you really realize then that he is worthy of worship. So I want to encourage you, never be afraid to worship the Lord. Sing unto him. Hey, raise your hands in praise to him. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, I grew up in a church where you never raised your hands unless you had a question, and then it was iffy. But, you know, uh, but it's okay to raise your hands in worship. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said that he would men to pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. And so that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. I remember when my kids were small, little bitty things, they would walk up to their daddy, and the first thing they'd do is put those hands up. And man, when they put those hands up, uh, what they was wanting was for me to pick them up, to hold them. And, uh, and that's kind of the same way I see lifting your hands in worship. Man, you're just raising your hands to Daddy. And you say, Lord, I need you. I, I, I welcome you to have your way and will in my life. And so there's nothing wrong with doing those things. Always feel free to worship in this place. Because how many know God is the only one worthy of our worship? And so uh, that's what we're here for, to lift Him up. The Bible says if we lift Him up... Then he will draw all men into himself. So thank you so much for doing that this morning. Worship team and all of you, man, that was some, uh, some great singing praise unto the Lord. Now turn your Bibles, if you will, please, to Joshua chapter number 15. And I want to share with you this morning the rest of the story concerning Caleb. Joshua chapter number 15. We'll look at three or four verses there. When you get your place in Joshua chapter 15... Put a marker there and go over to Numbers chapter 13. All right, we'll be looking back and forth for just a moment, so I ask that you bear with me as we go through the Word of God today. Now, we are still in the series Claiming Canaan. Canaan land is an Old Testament example of the New Testament victory the believer has in Jesus. How many of you know victory has been purchased by Jesus by His finished work? And it's been promised to the believer in God's precious word. <laughs> so it's been purchased for us through the finished work of Christ and promised to us in the word of God. This victory is available for all who have trusted in Christ as Savior. That's what we're learning about. How to claim that victory. How to walk in that victory. Because let me tell you what I fear happens many times in the church. We become theologically sound but practically no good. <laughs> How do you know you can have your doctrine right and completely uh, not be applying these great truths of Scripture to your life? You can be theologically sound, but practically of no use. So we've got to put into practice what we know to be truth according to the Word of God. And that's really what claiming Canaan, claiming this victory in Christ, is all about. Uh, I don't know uh, if any of you have ever been window shopping. That's something that my wife well, before we had kids, and now she's so busy she don't get to anymore, but she used to love to go window shopping. And I can remember going with her over to Tupelo to the mall, and I would take my regular seat out in those wooden benches out there in the center, and she would start walking around that place, going in one store and out of another. And sometimes she'd spend hours in that place and come back having bought nothing. And all she was doing really was window shopping. And I can remember her saying, well, I don't have to spend any money or buy anything to have a good time. I don't understand that. I don't get why she liked to do that. But hey, different strokes for different folks. I do things that she don't understand, and that's okay. I heard one man say one time, honey, why do you call it shopping when you don't buy anything? And she said, why do you call it fishing when you don't catch anything? So it, it goes both ways, don't it? It really does. It goes both ways. But I fear many times in the church, listen, we window shop through the Word of God. We look at all these things, and they're good in theory, but we don't put them in practice. 
So we need to get out of the theoretical and get into the practical and start claiming these promises and applying them to our lives. That's what claiming Canaan is all about. Experiencing the victory that is available for us in Christ. Now, this morning I'm going to play a Paul Harvey and I'm going to give you the rest of the story on a man named Caleb. Three weeks ago I spoke to you about Caleb and I entitled my message, The Marks of a Man of God. What we find out about Caleb, we find out, first of all, that Caleb, according to Joshua chapter 14, was a committed man. Can you say amen to that? I'm going to tell you something. If there's one thing we need in the modern church today, it's a house full of Caleb's. I'm talking about men and women on the pew that are like Caleb, because Caleb was committed. I want you to know something. There was no half-heartedness in Caleb. There was no lukewarmness in Caleb. Caleb never straddled the fence. He was committed fully to following after the Lord. And if there's one thing we need in the pew today, it's people committed to following Jesus till the end. Can you say amen to that? Let me give you something else. How many of you know if there's one thing needed in the modern church today, it's men in the pulpit committed to following Jesus just like Caleb. I'm talking about committed to Jesus to the end no matter what. Willing to stand up upon the truth of the word of God and share what thus has said the Lord. And so folks, I want you to know something. We need some Caleb's in the pew. We need Caleb in the pulpit. We need men and women of God that are fully committed unto the Lord. Caleb was a committed man, but the Bible also says he was a man of character. Let me tell you what that means. It means that Caleb let his yes be yes and his no be no. If Caleb told you something, you could count on it. We need some folks like that today, don't we? Caleb was the kind of guy you like to listen to. Do you, you, you know some folks like that? I got some dear brothers and sisters in Christ that, man, when they speak, I want to listen. Because I know when they speak, they've got something worth saying. I'm talking about them spirit-filled believers, those that are in touch with God, those who love God and love people. I'm talking about those who speak exhortation and encouragement and edification into my life by the power of God. God working on them and working in them and working through them. These great men and women of character that are speaking life into God's people, into a lost and dying world. So thankful for men of character, men and women of character. Uh, We've got some and we need some more. We really do. Caleb was a committed man. He was a man of character. The Bible says he was also a man of confidence. He was confident in who God is and what God has said. And because of all those things, he was a man of commitment, character, and confidence. He was a man of courage. He was ready to face the enemy that came against him and claim what was rightfully his. Now, if it's true for Caleb, isn't it true for us? If we'll become committed and people of character... People confident in who God is and what God has said will be willing by courage in who God is and what He's done. Listen, we can stand against the enemy and claim our victory. Let's get the rest of the story. Three more things that I want to give you this morning about Caleb. I can't get over Caleb. This brother just blesses my soul. Every time I start reading more into this, it just uh, really opens my eyes to what Caleb did for the Lord and what the Lord did for Caleb. Let's pray together before we start. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you've done. Thank you so much that your word is true. I'm thankful that we've been given victory, not because of who we are and what we've done, but because of your finished work, Lord Jesus. 
This morning, may we take your promises and claim them for ourselves and start living this spirit-filled, victorious life that you've given to us in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that I want you to notice about Caleb this morning is that he believed the promise of God to find that truth. Let's go over to Numbers 13. Keep your place there in Joshua chapter number 15. But you'll remember, uh, we touched on this the last time we talked about Caleb a few weeks ago. In Numbers chapter number 13, there's the story of Moses sending out spies into Kadesh Barnea. The Bible says that God had brought the nation of Israel out of bondage in Egypt and He's bringing them to the promised land. He gets right there on the border at Kadesh Barnea and He sends out some men to do a reconnaissance mission. It's 12 spies that He sends out for 40 days. And if you remember when they came home, uh, 10 of them were negative Nancys. I mean, they came in, they said, hey, God is is true to His word. He said it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. It would be a land of blessing. And that's exactly what it is. But there's no way we can take it. There's giants in the land. We're never going to be able to go in and claim what God has said is ours. That's what 10 of them said, but two of them were faithful men of God. The Bible said two of them had a different spirit in them. We'll see that in just a moment. Those two men were Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, wait a minute. If God said we could have it, let's go in and possess it. See, Caleb understood something that I want you to understand. We've got to understand. Caleb understood he'd been brought out of the place of bondage so that he might be brought into the place of blessing. He had been been brought out of the burden in Egypt and brought into a land of victory, a land truly of the blessing of God, a land flowing with milk and honey. And Caleb said, if God says it's mine, let's go get it. Let's look there in Numbers chapter 13, down at verse number 30. The Bible says, and Caleb stilled the people. I love that. I think Caleb just stood up in front of everybody when all all these other ten were given their uh, negative report. And he he stilled the people. He calmed them down. He said, they're all thinking about how big the giants are. I'm thinking about how big God is. Everybody just calm down a minute. Let me share something with you. If God says it's mine, it's mine. If God says we can have it, let's go possess it. Let us go up at once and possess it for we are able to overcome it. Now let me tell you what Numbers 13.30 says to me. It says to me that Caleb believed the promise of God. God said it. He believed it. How do I know that? How do we know that? Because true faith affects your feet. You said, brother, what do you mean true faith affects your feet? Well, if you really believe in who God is and what God says, it's going to change what you do. It's going to change how you live your life. And Caleb said, you know what? Uh, If God said it, I believe it. I'm ready to walk by faith and go in and possess what God said I could have. True faith affects your feet. If you say you have faith in Jesus, but he has not changed your life and is not changing your life, then the Bible says your fear faith is a dead faith. Faith without works The book of James says it's dead. means nothing. So I'm telling you, if you truly have faith in Christ, it'll affect your feet. It'll affect 
how you walk, how you live, what you do, the decisions and choices that you make. That's what we see in the life of Caleb. He said, hey, God said it. I believe it. I'm going to possess it. You say, now wait a minute, Brother Israel. I mean, I prayed a prayer 30 years ago when I've been baptized and I've been a member of a church and I go to Sundays. I don't care about any of that. If God has not changed your life, if your faith has not made a difference in how you live, the Bible says it's a dead faith. Now that's not me. That's the Word of God. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just trying to be real with you. It changes how you live. And that's what it did for Caleb. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. None of us are. We all still live in this flesh. And because we're in this flesh, we're going to do things from time to time that's not pleasing to God. That's why the same grace that once saved us still keeps us. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. I know all that to be true, but I'm telling you something. When you truly place your faith in Jesus, there is a change that's made. True faith affects your feet. Dr. Tony Evans says it like this. I'm going to preach on hell tonight. It's hot enough. (laughs) Listen to me. Tony Evans says, walking by faith, walking by faith is just acting like God is telling the truth. And that's what Caleb's doing. He says, God, if, if you said it, and praise God, I believe it. How else do we know that Caleb believed the promise of God? Not only did his faith affect his feet, but also he was willing to wait. God made the promise to Caleb. Go on down to Numbers chapter 14. Let me read to you one verse. Numbers chapter 14, verse number 24. You can go back and read this later, and I hope that you will. But the Bible says the nation of Israel rebelled against the Lord at Kadesh Barnea, and God made a promise to Caleb. He he pretty much says to the rest of the nation, he says, you know what? Since you've rebelled against me, and you don't want to go in and claim what I've already said you could have, because you're not going to go my way and do what I've told you to do, every one of you is going to die in the wilderness. None of y'all are going to come in. But then he says to Caleb and Joshua, watch this, verse number 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him. He had another spirit with him. He had another spirit with him. Praise God for people who are walking by the power of the Holy Spirit. What the Bible says of Caleb. He had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. So what God says is, Caleb, that land that you walked through, that land that you went in and surveyed and you wanted, because you have believed me and you walked according to my spirit, then you've done what I've told you to do. Caleb, I'm going to give you exactly what you want. He was willing to wait on this promise because we know If you remember Joshua chapter 14 that we studied a few weeks ago, the Bible says that that promise was made to Caleb when he was 40 years old. He was 40 years old when God said that in Numbers 14. In Joshua chapter 14, the Bible says he's 85 years old when he actually went in and claimed the land, the mountain of Hebron. And so he had to wait for 45 years on God's promise. Now how do we know that he believed the promise of God? First of all, we know he believed God's promise because his faith affected his feet. Secondly, we know he believed God's promise because he was willing to wait. Thirdly, we know he believed God's promise because in his waiting, he did not forget God's promise. Now why is that important to me and you? 
Why does that mean something for us as children of God? In those 45 years from when the promise was made until it was fulfilled, there's a lot of stuff that went on in Caleb's life. He went through the wilderness with all the people. In the wilderness, he went through times of trouble and trial and tribulation. That's what the wilderness is. It's a place of hardship. But in his place of hardship, he remembered the promise of God. Now let me encourage you with something, child of God. You're going to go through hardships. You're going to go through things that you don't understand. You're going to go through times of trial, trouble, and tribulation. You're going to get in the wilderness from time to time in your walk with Jesus. But let me share something with you. In those times of hardship, make sure you don't forget the promise. I told you Wednesday night, I talked to a lady in the line at Walmart checking out just a few weeks ago. And the Lord opened the door in that in a fantastic way that, uh, it just amazed me how God does things from time to time. But right there in that line, waiting to check out my, the, the, my, my stuff that I had, this lady began telling me about how her husband had just came home one day and told her that she, he didn't love her anymore and walked out on her. And she was broken right there in that line. And God gave me the opportunity and the privilege to speak life uh, there to her. Man, what a blessing that truly was. It blessed my soul and I hope it blessed her soul. But I'm telling you, we had church right there in the line. So stuff like that happens day to day to everybody. It happens to people at Walmart. Sometimes it happens to you. Maybe you, uh, the doctor just gave you a call and it jerked a rug right out from under your feet. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you're going through those times of hardship that you don't understand. You're going through relational trouble and financial trouble and emotional trouble and physical trouble. And all of this stuff is happening to you. And you're wondering, God, why am I in the place I'm in? Let me say something to you, child of God. In the wilderness, why? you wait don't forget the promise of God don't you forget it wake up don't you forget it listen to me God has promised Hebrews 13 5 he'll never leave you nor forsake you claim that Remember that. There's going to be a time of waiting. There's going to be a time of wilderness wandering. But in that time, remember the promise. Remember Philippians 4.19. He shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. Listen, remember to me, remember 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but He has given us the spirit of, uh, of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Of a, no, excuse me, that's the wrong verse. Romans 8.15. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but He has given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry of a father. 2 Timothy 1.7 God has not given us the spirit of fear but listen, He has given us the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. Remember these things when you're going through your wilderness times and claim the promises of God. It's easy to claim God's promises when things are going great. It's easy to walk in victory when there's not a battle. But I want to tell you something. My God and your God is big enough, even in the times of facing these giants in your life, that He can help you overcome. He'll give you that peace that passeth all understanding, that joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
He'll be that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Your ever-present help in your time of need. He'll be that if you'll let him. The first thing that I want you to see about Caleb is Caleb believed the promise of God. The second thing that I want you to see about Caleb is that Caleb trusted in the person of God. Now, how do I know this? How do I know that Caleb trusted in the person of God, who God is, and what God is able to do? Joshua chapter 15, the Bible tells us that he overcame some of the sons of Anak, three of them as a matter of fact. Let's look down at verse number 13. And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave part of the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. Now look at verse number 14. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak. Now the three sons of, Jan of Anak uh, were the giants that were dwelling in the land. The giants that the other ten spies were so scared of when they had entered the land 45 years earlier. These ten men saw difficulty Instead of seeing opportunity, Caleb saw opportunity even though there was difficulty. These ten men, they saw how big the giant was. Caleb saw how big God is. Do you see the difference? And the Bible says he went in now at 85 years old, trusting in the person of God, who God is, and overcame three of the sons of Anak. That's amazing to me. He went in and faced his giant. I read something, I think it was just on Facebook last week. It made a lot of sense to me, though. Uh, it, it was, uh, don't fake it until you make it. Face it until you make it. I like that. That's good. Uh, the, the world says fake it till you make it, but listen to me. That's not what God has called us as believers to do. He's called us to face our giant and make it through His power. And so I want you to understand, I want you to know, whatever giant you are facing, giant of doubt, depression, fear, whatever's going on in your life, I'm telling you, God is able. Everybody say that with me. God is able. Say it again. God is able. Now, why do I say that? I say that because that's the truth of God's Word. Again, we're going back and claiming this stuff that seems to be good in theory and put it into practice. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. How many of you believe that God is able? Why do we believe it? Because God said it. And if God says it, we believe it. We apply it. We walk in it. That's what walking by faith is all about. Acting like God's telling the truth. That's being some modern day Caleb's. Believing what God says believing in the promise of God, and trusting in the person of God. He went in and faced his giants and took the land. The Bible gives them three names. Now, it's amazing to me how relevant <laughs> the Word of God is, how real and powerful the Word of God is. I've done some study this week on the three giants that Caleb overcame by the power of God. The Bible says in verse number 14, and Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai, 
Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Now these are the three giants, the children of Anak. Now Anak was one of the great uh, men of renown that the Bible speaks of in Genesis chapter number 6. And that's a, certainly a different message for a different day. But he was one of the Nephilim. He was one of the uh, giants that were in that day operating on earth and, and doing some pretty big things as a pretty big person. Now the Bible says there, his, some of his sons, some of his um, descendants uh, is who Caleb had overcame. Shishai. Now what does that mean? Shishai means who I am. Ahiman means what I am. And Talmai, the third giant, means what I can do. Now, what does that speak to us? What does that mean for me and you? Well, I think it means a great deal. This is how relevant and real God's Word is because it hits you right where you live. Now, the Lord showed me something um, years ago that, that, that is still making real to me today. A lot of times, it's not that we're not strong enough. It's that we're not weak enough. I'm going to say that again because I think you might have missed it. Sometimes in doing what God has called us to do and walking by faith like God's called us to walk, a lot of times it's not that we're not strong enough. It's that we're not weak enough. How many times do I keep telling you I've come to find out most of the time my own worst enemy is nobody else but me. I struggle with me. Overcoming my pride. Overcoming my arrogance. Overcoming my self-reliance. Well, that's exactly what Caleb is overcoming. Listen, he's overcoming the giant who says who I am. That speaks of ego. He's overcoming the giant that, that is called what I am. That speaks of pride. He's overcoming the giant that says what I can do. That's the giant of self-reliance. And the same giants that he overcame then, we are still battling against today. Same thing. See, what you've got to understand is you can't. And God never said you could. See, I don't know what God's speaking to your heart. I don't know I Somebody, somebody may in here may be called to preach. Hope and pray that you are. Hope God's raising up pastors right here in, our, in, in the midst of these, these people. God may be calling you to the mission field. I don't know. God may be calling you to witness to your neighbor. God may, may be calling you to, I know he's calling you to do this, man, lead your family to Jesus. Do you know, guys, that you are either leading your family to Jesus or away from Jesus? But you're leading them. Believe me, you're leading them. You're either leading them to Christ or from Christ. And God has made that abundantly clear to me. God, it, it don't matter. Uh, the, the question is not whether or not I'm leading them. I'm leading them, but where am I leading them? Where am I leading them? Am I leading them to Christ or from Christ? So, you're thinking, there's no way I can do this. You're right. You're right. That's not new news. God may be calling you to teach a Sunday school class or tithe or I don't know what God's calling you to do. But I'm telling you this. You're right. You can't. God never said you could. If you could be pleasing to God in your own power, you wouldn't need the, the person of the Holy Spirit. 
God never said you could. You can't. God never said you could. Listen, he can't, or he can, excuse me, and he always said he would. You can't. God never said you could. He can, and he always said he would. That's why the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That's why the Bible says that if I abide in Christ, if I dwell in him, I can bear much fruit. I can be an effective follower of Christ. I can be an effective father. I can be an effective pastor. I can be an effective witness. I can live out my faith in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord. I can do what God's called me to do, not because of who I am, but when I choose to rest in Him. And you can too. You can too, but you've got to let Him. You've got to get out of your ego and your pride, your self-reliance, and say, God, I can't, but you can Lead me, guide me, direct me, help me, show me. Give me wisdom. The Bible says in the book of James that if anybody lacks wisdom, that all we got to do is ask and God will give it to you and he won't hold it back. Isn't that an awesome promise? Some of you are wondering what to do in your family, what to do in your workplace, what to do in this, what to do in that. i tell you what you do. You ask God for wisdom. You know how I pray? I just say, Lord, you know how I am. I can mess something up. So please keep me from messing up what you want to do. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. I'll tell you something, he hasn't failed me yet. He hasn't failed me yet and he won't fail you. But daily, we've got to relinquish our will to his. We've got to face these same giants that Caleb faced all those many years ago. Listen, Caleb believed the promise of God. Caleb trusted in the person of God to overcome those giants in his life and we can too. But I want to tell you something else. Caleb is also a picture of the power of God. Let's read the rest of this through verse number 18 and I'm going to be finished this morning. Watch what the Bible says. Verse 14, and Caleb drove thence the, drove thence the, the three sons of Anak, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak, and he went up thence to the inhabitants of Debir, and the name of Debir before was Kerjoth Sefer. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kerjoth Sefer, and taketh it to him, will I give Asha my daughter to wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Asha his daughter to wife. And it came to pass as she came unto him that she moved him to ask her father for a field. And she lighted off her ass or her donkey, and Caleb sent, uh, said unto her, What wouldest thou? And who answered? And she answered, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. He gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Now get the picture. Caleb had a daughter who he loved very much. And Caleb wanted his daughter to be married to a man who also trusted in the Lord and was willing to go and claim what was rightfully his. A man who had a little something to him. And so he said, I tell you what, whoever is man enough to trust in God enough to go and claim that land, I'm going to give him my daughter to marry. And so Othniel says, that sounds like a good idea to me. And he goes and claims the land. He goes by the power of God and claims what's rightfully his already. Because God had promised it to the people of Israel. 
So he goes, he claims it. He trusts in God's promises. And when he does, he gets Caleb's daughter to marry. And Caleb gives them then a piece of ground. The Bible says it's some of the south land. In the south land, they didn't have any water. And so Asia, the daughter of Caleb, said to Othniel, her new husband, we've got to ask dad to give us a spring of water. Because if we don't, this land is no good to us. All of you know a land with no water is not much good. And so that's exactly what she does. She goes and asks Daddy if he would give her a spring of water. And now when Caleb uh, hears the request of his daughter, he don't just give her one spring. The Bible says he gives her two springs. He gives her the upper spring and the lower spring. I love that. This is a picture of God's power being given to God's people through prayer. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you know, if you being sinful, if you being fleshly know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, if Caleb knew how to give good gifts to his daughter, not just one spring, but two springs, not just a little bit, but a lot, if Caleb knew how to do that with his daughter, and I know how to do that with my daughter, and you know how to do that with your daughter and your sons, we who are evil, if we know how to do that with our kids, how much more does God, who is perfect and all-powerful, know how to give us good things? But the Bible says in James 4 and 2, we have not. Why? Because we ask not. I tell you what I'm praying for. Field pews as you pastor. I get so stinking sick of empty pews. I wish people would get committed. Come on, man. I want to see that. And if you ain't praying for that, start praying now. Shame on you. You ought to be praying for it. I'm praying for the lost to be saved and revival to happen and God to light a fire that only He can do and Satan can't quench. And if you're not praying for that, start. I believe we have not because we ask not. I believe just like Hebrews chapter 4 says, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in our time of need. Some of you mamas are praying for kids. Keep praying. Because God, who knows how to give good gifts, will give them when we ask. Pray in faith. Be willing to wait. And while you wait, don't forget the promise. Are you getting me? Caleb is a picture of how God deals with us. She needed one spring and gave her two. See, I, I think God wants good things for his children. How about y'all? How many of y'all want the blessing of God on your life? I want everything God's got for me. And you don't want everything God's got for you. Let me tell you something. I don't think there's anything wrong with you having some cool stuff. I believe God wants to give you some cool stuff. Work for it. Pray for it. Go after it. Oh, that's good. But now listen. It's good when God gives you stuff. It's not good when your stuff has you. Don't let your stuff have you. Always let God have you. 
fully and totally. But there's nothing wrong with enjoying His blessings. Ask Him. Ask Him. He's a good, good Father. The Bible says He knows what we need even before we ask. What do you need today? Hurting today? Are you in the middle of your wilderness today? Are you going through trouble, trial, and tribulation? Let me encourage you this morning. hope this has been encouraging to you. That's what I meant it to be. I want you to know, listen, you can remember and you should remember the promise of God. While you wait, remember the promise and trust God enough to ask Him for what you need. There's power in it. There's power in it. Everybody stand together today. None of that is available to you if you don't know Jesus. See, all of this victory that I've been talking about comes to those who are in Christ. The people of faith. Now, if you're, not, if you're here and you've never placed your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, this ain't available to you yet. And I stress yet. But the good news is, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you can become a part of the family of God and have the victory God has promised today if you'll only receive it by grace through faith. This is my message to you. I don't know what else to say to you. I've said all God told me to say. And so I'm leaving it with you. And I'm praying God the Holy Spirit convicts your heart. If you need Him in any way today, child of God, if you just need to come talk over some things, you know you got a good, good Heavenly Father who loves you and you need to talk over with Him about what's going on in your life, come do that. This altar is a great place to do it. If you need to be saved, just come say, brothers, I need to be saved. And I'm going to share with you in the Word of God what it means to trust in Jesus. Don't wait this morning. Don't wait. Don't wait. Come now. Come now. Trust the Lord for whatever you need.